Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. It's your club, and this is your show. Well, it's hard to deny something is just not right with City at the moment, is it? Two pretty bad performances on the back of a stuttering start to the season has left many fans feeling a little frustrated. Though, with the way the draws with United and West Brom went, there was also a big sense of, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed energy floating around. So, where is it going wrong, and how can Pep Guardiola breathe some excitement back into the campaign? That's our job on this week's Blue Moon podcast. Also on today's show, we'll get insight into Southampton from Sam Ty, and we'll take a look at how John Stones has found his feet again at the Etihad. Plus, we'll take some of your questions in Ask the Panel too. I'm David Mooney. I'm joined today by Gold.com City correspondent Jonathan Smith. Hello. And One Football's Dan Burke. Hello. Um, so, yeah, not exactly uh, a great start. Um, John, you get the feeling maybe that, that the United game was dull by design. Um, United had won three derbies last season. City had marginally the better chances from open play on Saturday. The risk probably uh, uh, perhaps outweighed the reward of going for the game. But the West Brom game was was just dull, wasn't it? There was no there's no other way about it. Yeah. Well, it, it was just strange to see them start so slowly against West Brom. Uh, I, th- I think you're right about United. I think listening to Pep in, in his press conferences, he seems to be very much. Uh, we don't lose this season. Uh, we stick. We, you know, we all know what the defensive problems were last season, and he's worked to address that. Uh, by doing that, they've lost a little something out of attack. But if you look back at last season, you know, around this time last year, after that defeat at Liverpool, it was like the title race was almost over. Okay, they're in City are in mid-table at the moment, but they're very much in the title race. It's only what is it eight? Eight points behind Liverpool with a game in hand. Win yeah, that five if they win the game in hand. But that, I mean that, that's the problem at the minute, isn't it? Winning those games. Yeah, yeah. But you would have thought, okay, don't lose at United. Like you say, United were the masters on the counter attack last season against City. They had a, a, a game plan that worked, and the City's defense wasn't able to cope with it. The thing is, you think now that with Diaz, with Stones playing so well, with Laporte as a fighting for his place, you think they are a little bit more set up to cope with that sort of thing, that they can deal with Rashford and, and Greenwood now. Um, but yeah, it was far more defensive. Uh, and then moving on to the West Brom game, it, it was just such a slow start. And and you look at the the, the selections, Rodri and, and Gundogan, and you, you think this isn't like the Guardiola sides that we've seen. It, it's, it's so cautious when he's... He's, he's been sort of almost wildly attacking in the past. Yeah, I mean, Dan, the, the thing that stood out to me, do you, do you remember the first team that Guardiola ever named at City for that for that Sunderland game? And you thought, I remember seeing the lineup and thinking, goodness me, what on earth is he playing here? There's so many attacking players in the team. And then you could contrast it to that West Brom game. And, and you think, well, you know, does it need Gundogan and Rodri in there to, to kill the counter-attack? Bearing in mind, again, Stones and Diaz have been so good one-on-one at, at the moment. 
No, I mean, yeah, you, you can sort of see his, his, uh, his thinking, perhaps. I mean, you're going back to the United game. I, when I saw the lineup and he, and he had uh, Rodri and Fernandinho in the middle there, I thought, okay, I'm quite happy with this. It's, it's, it makes us a lot more secure. It means we're probably not going to, you know, go one or two nil down early doors and have to be chasing the game. It means we're going to stay in the game for a long time. But it became pretty apparent like the longer the game wore on that it wasn't necessary, that United weren't really having a go at us that much. And you kind of think, why isn't he changing it? But the last two games I've been watching it, and I'm thinking, what is Guardiola seeing here that he thinks this is all right? I don't need to change this. Um, you know, did he make? Was it one sub he made against United and uh, what and two against West Brom in the end? Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's just, there's just not a lot of creativity in the team at the moment, and it's hard to understand why. I mean, you sort of look at David Silva leaving over the summer, and I remember thinking that it wouldn't be such a great loss considering that he wasn't, you know, firing on all cylinders last season, but. You wonder if there was a lot of kind of stuff going on that we didn't really notice with David Silva, a lot of kind of off-the-ball movement that was dragging people out and things like that, because I'm not really seeing any creativity coming from anyone apart from De Bruyne. And even he's not playing particularly well this season. Um, so it's... I, I don't really know what the solution is. It's, it's really baffling to watch. Yeah. Uh, Adam Carter on Twitter asks, uh, a romping victory over West Brom might have vindicated Pep's cautious approach in the derby somewhat. Does Tuesday's draw now actually just exacerbate that approach? And I, I mean, it's interesting, John, because you, you that, uh, that, that Manchester derby, again, we go back to the style of play. City had, like I said, marginally the better chances in that game. I always felt if one of the two teams was going to nick it, it would probably be City on the way on the, the balance of performance. But then you look at the West Brom game and, and the fact that the two best chances of the game you know, came right at the death. And even then it was a cross into the box and a header. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote in my piece about uh, sort of Pep asking for more injury time, but really asking why why waste the first 30 minutes i mean mm. pep's off one of the criticisms that pep's always faced is that sometimes they overpass it and things like that and and he's always hit back that we don't pass it for just for the sake of it we don't just keep control, control and possession just because we can um but there were elements of that game against west brom particularly that first 30 minutes when they just seemed to be going from side to side to side and not really knowing or having a plan of how they were going to get round the back. I mean, a couple of, there were a couple of times where poor touches, like Cancelo got into a good position and his first touch was poor, Sterling similarly. Um, but they just, I mean, they didn't have a shot on target for the first 30 minutes. And it's just against, uh, against newly promoted sides, City just intimidate and bully and and just over attack them to death until they end up certainly winning, usually thrashing them. Um, I, I think you have to go back to the Huddersfield game for the last time they didn't beat a, a side who had been promoted, uh, and, and, and that was a that was a nothing game. The title had already been won. Yeah. They just always find a way to win these games, and then to see that first half an hour where West Brom created. The only really good chance, um, and I mean, it was a good save from Edison. I think the striker should have done better. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Adam in his question that the cautious approach to the derby was one thing, but to not then beat West Brom um, suggests as a a big problem. Yeah, Dan. The, the the thing that fans have been crying for is is to having is to have the the players on their natural side, and then against West Brom, he did that. He had Sterling on the right and Foden on the left. 
but kind of uninverting the wingers didn't really help much. No, not really. I mean, it it, it created the goal, didn't it, against West Brom, which was um, which was something, I guess. You know, Sterling teeing up uh, Gundogan, Foden. There'd been a lot of clamour for him to play in recent weeks. Understandably, I was one of the people clamouring for him to play as well. Um, he didn't have his best game here, really. Um, and yeah, you, you kind of look at the chances that that were created in 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 both games, really. You know, the United game, they had that great chance with with Mares. Um, the, the one-on-one that he missed in this game. They had the two headers at the end from Sterling and Gundogan and also that one when uh, Aguero, Aguero, after he just came on, uh, sort of lashed it wide. And you think if, if those chances have been taken, this whole podcast takes on a whole different complexion. You know, we're talking about two wins and and looking forward to the Southampton game, feeling confident. But I, I, I'm at the point now as a City fan where it's like, we, we can't just sort of look at these little moments and go, oh, well, if we scored there, it would have been a different story because we should be scoring enough goals to kind of get us through these games. We should have enough attacking talent in the team to be winning games and it's not happening and I don't really understand why. I don't really understand what's missing and what can be done to change it. Yeah, well, uh, this is Pep Guardiola speaking after the one or draw with West Brom. Uh, he was asked why the team is struggling to score goals and uh, why that's been a recurring theme for this season. We were able to control a lot, to concede like we are conceding right now. Minimum, nothing, except one good save from Eddie that was clear that they deserve to, to score a goal. A part of this and the goal deflection and uh, no more than this. And we were bad in all departments, but uh, yeah, we're struggling to score. Like season, we are able to control the games like, like this year, but uh, our sense of goal, we cannot, we cannot do it. But why have you found it so easy in previous years and not this year? because uh, we cannot score goals. It's difficult for every manager to find some time solution. You have to create more and more chances and what happened in the last 10 minutes will be more intense, but that's normal. So football, you cannot play the, the last 10 minutes uh, like like 90 because they use a counter-attack and uh, they are more physical, more strong, and we couldn't do it. This is the Blue Moon Podcast, facebook.com slash Blue Moon Podcast. Some stats to kind of back up how City have been this season, John. Um, 13 of, of 20 games this season, City have scored two or fewer in the 90 minutes. That's 65%. Um, nearly a third of their Premier League goals this season came in one game. That was against Burnley. 18 goals in the first 12 games uh, compares to 27 in Pep's first season, 40 in his second, 36 in his third, and 35 last season. So the, the closest is nine. It's nine fewer than his worst so far. Um, is this all down to the fact that they've had Aguero injured for so long and Jesus has been a bit off form? Or is it a much more deep-rooted, not creating enough chances? I think it's a, a little bit of both in that... We've been very, very spoiled with Aguero. I think he's going to be... I think it's showing how difficult it is going to be to replace him because he's just so consistent. He just... What is he? I think he's had six or seven 20-plus goal seasons since he's been at City. Um, and when he's when he's smooth, injury-free, flying, he just almost... You know, he's what he's going to in every three games and... So consistent, um, but I don't think you can sort of pin it on that. I think there are there are there are issues. Uh, I mean, you look at the, the Sterling's not scoring anywhere near as many as he has done in the last two seasons. Um, I think has he got one in his last seven or something like that? De Bruyne is not scoring. He's, I think he's got one one penalty sitting in the last couple of months. Uh, Mar- Mares is 
he had that he scored the goals against Burnley, but he's struggling. They're just not getting goals from anywhere, really. Jesus has he scored in his first three games and is now without one for what six games or seven games. <laughs> Jesus suffers in comparison to Aguero. There's no doubt about that. I think he's if he was at another club, he's the sort of striker that City would be looking at as a replacement for Aguero. So I'm always I always feel sorry for him because the comparisons are completely unfair to just one of the the greatest strikers in Premier League history. Um, but I think the issues are all around. It's, it's, it's creativity. You know, it, it wasn't until it wasn't until injury time that they created chances against a West Brom team who are just, you know, they've sacked the manager. That's how how how, how badly they they've done this season. And it's just not it's just not City to not create these chances against a team like that. And it just it's I think they're missing a bit of. Speed out wide, a bit of movement. I mean, the thing is, Guardiola's setup is so complex. It's diff- you can't just say, "Do this and it, and things will work." Or it, 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 there's so many moving parts in the philosophy um, that it's 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 complex to to analyze and put it right. Which is why I think Pep was sort of, sort of quite simplistic with his answer as to why they're not scoring goals because it's it's a very complicated answer and, it, and it's. It's it's beyond me to to really understand. You know, you can't you can't just say, "Oh, play Gundogan as a as a DM and then bring in Bernardo." There's so much happening, but it, but it, he's the man to get it right, and and it, and so far it's not happening. Yeah, um, Guardiola was also asked if he felt the team needs to start games quicker, given that two of the best chances for the winner against West Brom were in stoppage time. Uh, this is what he had to say. No, the the players are there. So the game, sometimes you have mature, you have to do it. And uh, we scored a goal and uh, we didn't concede much. We struggled more of this this year in the in this, this season, this game, sorry, for the long balls and second balls. We didn't win much. They attack on our left side and our left side, we could not control with Benja, Nathan and, and Phil. The second balls, we could not control it quite well. And uh, they make an extra pass, but not much than this. So we, we don't create chances. And, uh, and sometimes you need patience and, and we try to find it. And uh, it's not easy. Uh, but uh, yeah, in the second half was much better, and uh, yeah, we could not score. When ten players are there, it never is easy. Get involved with the debate on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. Ten men behind the ball is not a new thing, Dan. Uh, City have faced it. I mean, by my count, by nearly for nearly a decade now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they usually find a way around it, but. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's 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 such a, a tactical issue at the moment, more, of more of a personnel issue. I just think there's a lot of players who are playing within themselves who don't have a lot of confidence, and I don't have a lot of confidence in them either. You know, when Riyad Mahrez goes through on goal at Old Trafford, I didn't think he was going to score. Um, you know, Sterling has been probably one of our better performances this season, but like John said, he's not scoring very much. Um, Jesus, I've always been a bit of a skeptic about him. He's he he, he offers a lot in terms of pressing and movement off the ball, but. He's not a great sort of finisher at the moment. He's not a he's not a great goal threat for us. And then um, you know, Bernardo Silva is offering nothing. Um, he's just been anonymous again this season. Ferran Torres has, has shown promising signs, but he's not really looking like he's sort of, you know, someone we can we can totally rely on yet. So everything goes through De Bruyne, and if he's not playing particularly well, then we, we're struggling to create chances. And, and that low block played against West Brom, you know, the, the, the two best chances, um, aside from the goal, came from De Bruyne sort of punting those crosses into the box, which were amazing crosses and, and should have resulted in goals, really. But 
you kind of think, well, maybe we should be doing a bit more of that. Maybe we should be going a bit more route one and just and just knocking it in there and, and hoping for the best. But then, you know, in previous seasons, we've we've had problems where they've they've resorted to just aimless crossing into the box when when things haven't been going well. So, yeah, I, I, I kind of think that long term that, that the solution to this problem is that we need a, a sprinkling of stardust in the team. We need a big sort of marquee striker signing, you know, Erling Haaland, Kylian Mbappe, Lionel Messi, someone like that to come in and just sort of refresh everything because they're just long overdue a bit of a reboot uh, attacking-wise, Sissy. I just don't think, you know, they're moving the ball quickly enough and, and they don't have anyone on, on the end of the chances, um, especially when Aguero's not fit. It's it's interesting you say that because uh, one of the one of the things that kind of I'm tentatively suggesting could he could he approach games like like against West Brom less so less so at Old Trafford but more more against the sides that City should be beating especially at home could he approach it by taking out one of Rodri and Gundogan and playing you know replacing them with a with Bernardo Silva Ferran Torres Phil Foden something like that a bit higher up the pitch but then dropping De Bruyne a bit deeper. Yeah, I, I mean, he it, 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 it could defend as well, De Bruyne. He's not, you know, totally a, a sort of luxury uh, midfielder who, who doesn't track back or anything like that. He, he often drops deep, um, even when he's playing as the sort of free eight role. Um, so, so that that would be an interesting option. I, you kind of think they've got to, they've got to find a way to overwhelm their opposition because the way things are going at the moment is just not working. I mean, I mean, I, I, I have had a lot of patience with Rodri and, and it's wearing pretty thin at the moment because I don't really see what he's offering. I don't think he moves the ball quickly or intelligently enough. I don't really know what Gundogan is supposed to be doing I mean I know he scored the goal in this game but for me like whenever he plays I never really feel particularly confident and he's only got sort of two passes in his locker he either just plays it sideways or he does that aimless chip into the box so I would I would totally be in favour of us just trying to work as many kind of attacking players into the, into the team as possible and just hope hoping for the best throw the kitchen sink at it but yeah. obviously you know you, you've got to pick and choose when you can do that yeah. Niall on Twitter, uh, John, he asks, uh, is there an issue with the mentality of the team feeling sorry for themselves? For example, Rodri's interview post Leicester, uh, Pep's repeated moan about fixtures and subs, the idea that we're unlucky for not scoring in games. Uh, Niall suggests that there's a real lack of character there at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it is a, a repeated answer, this, about playing with 10 men behind the, the ball. Uh, sorry, yeah, 10 men behind the ball. I mean, it is very difficult to, to to break down on occasions, but you've just got to get on with it. You've just got to do it, and I don't know why it's suddenly become a, a a big thing. It seems like the last eighteen months this has been a a constant an, answer, um, and it's just you know it's a, opponents are entitled to play exactly how they want, and that's a big point for West Brom. Uh, it's a point they weren't expecting, and, uh, and you can't have any criticism of their style of play. Uh, you know, you know, United are Solskjaer's fighting for his his job, um, and the fact is that all right, they they, they we would expect United to be a bit more attacking in a, in a Manchester derby and, and and try and go a bit more toe to toe, but they were successful playing on the counter attack against City last season, and and City are better than United, um, so it's, it's up to City to go out and beat them. So. I think I, I think there's a little something in, in to what Niall's saying. Um, I think maybe, maybe we on occasions we do treat them a, a bit harshly because the the lack of pre-season was a, a big big issue. Um, they're not doing a lot of work on, on on the coach. You know, it's game game after game after game. Um, so it's it's difficult to make 
much improvements on the on the training ground. But yeah, I think there's a bit, a bit of that about it. Yeah, certainly. Uh, well, City's nil-nil draw with United was a record equal in six clean sheets in a row, the fifth time the club had managed it. They've still never gone seven in a row after conceding against West Brom. A big part of that defensive turnaround recently has been the form of John Stones, whose time at the Etihad many might have thought was up just a few months ago. I've been looking at how he's turned things around. Guess who's back? Back, back, back again. For a long time, City's fans had been asking for the real John Stones to stand up and be counted. He's really grabbing the chance now in a way that he just hadn't done. The last time he was in a good run of form, the last time he was playing like this, was genuinely three years ago, which is incredible, really. That's the Athletic City correspondent, Sam Lee. The thing with Stones is, it's been a real journey. And before I get into anything else, like every credit to the situation he's in now. You know, he deserved fully to start the derby against United and he fully justified that inclusion. Stones is in the sort of form that was attracting rave reviews back when he first joined City. Here's City fan Richard Burns. I've been really, really impressed with John Stones recently. He's looked very assured in a way that I don't think he has for a long time. His game was sort of built around being a centre-back who could sort of take the ball up the pitch or release it at different points and yeah he lost his way a bit but right now it looks like he's put his problems behind him and I'm, I'm really happy I'm really happy when he starts games And with the way things had gone for Stones since he was injured at Leicester in the Centurion season, Richard had doubts he'd ever see the defender back to his best at the Etihad. I certainly worried that his time at City could be up. I probably defended him for a little bit too long when his mistakes were becoming more and more regular. And I did think this summer, with how little football he played last season and the fact that for the two title years under Pep, Stones did miss a lot of football at the end of those seasons. I I did think he was probably done and I thought it would leave in the summer. Richard wasn't alone. In fact, Stones may have left in the last transfer window had things gone differently. Had Eric Garcia not made it clear that he wanted to move to Barcelona, that could have been the end of the line for Stones for many reasons. Injuries have always set him back. Even at the start of this season, he started the game at Wolves and you think, OK, you got a chance here, he looked all right at Wolves. Then he got injured again, and you just think, it's not happening for him. That's been one of the stories of his last three years, and Sam Lee explains another. The big issue that Guardiola and the coaching staff have had with him over the years is his um, reaction to setbacks. The phrase Guardiola uses is, drink the poison. So the thing with Laporte, although maybe not at the moment, but the thing with Laporte as the benchmark was always that if he made a mistake, he'd drink the poison, shrug it off, and carried on like nothing had ever happened. With Stones, that's not been the case. And on top of all of that, Stones has had a difficult time away from football too. It resulted in the defender not even being on the bench for City's away trip to Tottenham last February. There were personal problems, and as you may have seen over the weekend, an idea of what they were. But, you know, Guardiola felt that he just wasn't in the right frame of mind to concentrate on football. I think the next day he had some kind of hearing related to his ex and 
and his child and how that would go. And, you know, Guardiola just felt that he wasn't in the right frame of mind to play football and that's why he wasn't on the bench. And that's, you know, that's had a lot of impact on Guardiola's thinking for much of this year. Despite all of that, though, City fan Dan Burke didn't think it was over for Stones. I did have a funny feeling before the season began that he might have a pretty big part to play again this season, but... After starting against Wolves, he kind of disappeared for a while, which I suppose we've become accustomed to in the last couple of years. So it was a surprise to see him come back into the team, play well and and take Amaric Laporte's place because a few weeks ago you would have said Laporte was unquestionably our best centre-back. But now Stones and Diaz are the chosen ones and it looks like it could be a little while before we see that partnership disrupted. He didn't think Stones had any plans on throwing in the towel on his City career and it looked like he was prepared to bide his time. When there was all that talk about Stones maybe going to Newcastle or, or rejoining Everton in the summer, I had the sense that he would rather stay at City because I don't think he was ready to give up on the possibility of being an important player for a top team. I think he backed himself and I think he's in the last chance saloon for City now. So, you know, if he can't prove to Pat Guardiola that he deserves to be here, then he's going to have to take a step down. And I think he was waiting for one more opportunity and it, it looks like he's determined to take it. So, you know, he's been outstanding recently. and I'm really pleased with him and I just hope he keeps it up and this isn't another false dawn for him. Things have definitely changed for Stones on the pitch as his recent form has shown. Of that record equaling six clean sheets, Stones has played a major part in five of them, being rested in only one. Sam Lee explains what the defender has been doing differently. I know there was a story by Jack Gorn in the summer that um, you know he spent a lot of time watching his clips and working on how to get better. I think he's realised that he has got a chance to stay at City, but it shows his character really that he does want to make a go of it. And that's what he's doing at the moment. So he's bouncing back from the mistakes. He's spent a lot of time focusing on his own game. I'm assuming the personal problems are out of the way. And he's in the team now and he's keeping Laporte out. Guardiola said that Stones was left out against West Brom on Tuesday night for tactical reasons, perhaps indicating that the manager doesn't want to risk an injury to one of his key players at the moment, especially with the frequency of games. And that is a worry for Dan Burke. It all depends on his fitness. If he can avoid injury for a decent period of time, then you know he's up there with the best centre-backs in Europe. But... His fitness record has been so unpredictable in recent years that it wouldn't surprise me if he pulled something in the next couple of weeks and was out for a while. I really hope not, because if he can stay fit, he has the potential to be a, you know, the world-class defender that we were all expecting him to develop into when, he, when City first signed him. So, without injury, how long can Stones hold on to a place in the back four? How long he can remain a first-strike defender really depends on what Pep's thought process is right now. Um, he's been very odd in recent games, he's barely using substitutes and his team selection is pretty consistent and he's made some very outspoken comments, or very clear comments that he's picking people on form, which appears to be a bit of a calling out of the players who aren't playing. So. The very obvious one that stands out at the moment is Emery Laporte. It's undeniable that the options that City have at centre-back right now are some of the best the club has ever had. And with Stones performing well, he's proved that he can be a big part of that. Sam Lee thinks if he can continue as he is, then we might be in for a few surprises in the team selection in weeks to come. As good as Ruben Diaz has been, and he's been fantastic, I'm thinking if Stones is there, defensively solid, and Laporte proves himself in the games that he proves himself in, it might be Stones and Laporte, the partnership, for a while over Christmas because Diaz's passing hasn't quite hit the high notes. I know people don't like Eric Garcia, but his passing was one of the huge reasons he was in the team a couple of months ago. 
it could be Laporte and Stones because they're that much better at the moment on the ball. That could be getting ahead of ourselves though. For now, supporters are just really pleased to see the return to form of a real fan's favourite. While City might be struggling at times to look creative and dangerous, they are at least looking much more solid at the back. It's been great to see John Stones as part of that once more. Hi, this is David Bernstein, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. For a pledge of $2 a month, you can hear our weekly bonus show on a wide range of city topics. There's more details on patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. I look there at uh, John Stones' recent form. Um, Dan, you're in that uh, that feature talking about Stones. What what What's pleased you the most about his return to form recently? Just how surprising it's been, I think, really, because, I mean, I, I always had a, a sneaking suspicion going into this season that he might have a, a role to play. You know, there was talk of him leaving in the summer and and some of the clubs being mentioned was like Newcastle, Everton and things like that. And I think he's better than that, John Stones. And I think that might have been a bit of a wake-up call for him. And he's like, I've got to do something here. This might be my last chance at a really top club for a while or ever. Um, so, you know, he started the first game of the season against against Wolves and played well, and I thought, great. And then he, 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 he sort of wasn't in the team for pretty much a whole month after that. I think it was Porto at home was his next game. Um, and then recently, he's sort of come into the team and really established himself, and and playing. He's playing confidently on the front foot. He looks really good on the ball. He looks like the player that we 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 signed from Everton for fifty million four years ago. He looks like he's he's back to that level now, and maybe he feels a bit more confident in his body because that's let him down in recent years. You know, he's had personal issues off the pitch that have that have derailed him somewhat. Maybe Guardiola's had a word with him and said, "Look, I still believe in you. I still think you're a great player. Um, go out and prove it to me." But you know. Long may it continue. I, ho- I just hope that we don't end up in a situation whereby, um, you know, Guardiola does his press conference on Friday and says John Stones is injured and we don't see him for another two months because, you know, that's been a, a bit of a problem for him in recent years. Yeah. Uh, one of the clips I didn't use uh, in the in the feature, John, was uh, from Sam Lee, was about the League Cup final and about that actually being one of the games that... Um, that could have helped this turnaround because one of the criticisms that he's always had at City is that when he makes a mistake, he finds it very hard to recover from. And yet in the League Cup final, he made the mistake to gift Aston Villa a way back into the game. And then second half, he was fantastic. And that's the sort of form we're seeing from him now as well. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even particularly a mistake. It was a, it was a stumble. And it was just one of those things that seemed to be happening to John Stones over the last couple of years. Um, but I agree in the, in the second half, particularly when the last 10 minutes when Villa were really, really going for an equaliser. I remember there was one corner, it was probably, it may even have been injury time, where there seemed to be, I don't know, maybe 18, 19, 20 players in the box. And it was just one of those slung into the six-yard box and Stones was above everybody heading it clear. And he thought, you know, fair play to him. He's, he's put his head out in there when there's all sorts going on uh, and he's and he's got City over the line. And, the thing is, I think I think he's very very popular. I think a lot of people want him to do well. He's very popular with the fans as well. Um, the fans seem to really like him and are desperate for him to be a success. So he's got that on his side, and, it, and it's great to see it. Okay, it's very early days yet. I don't think we can get overexcited. May the way he plays his game, he will make the odd mistake, and it's it's it's, it's when he makes that mistake how he comes back, and if he carries on with his form then I think City have got a really, really top centre-back. 
Yeah, I do think, Dan, that City look a better team. When he's playing well, I think City are, are a better team with him in it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Guardiola would tell you that his contribution to the build-up is is really important. And, you know, you think that he's probably one of the, the best centre-backs we've got for, for you know, calmness on the ball and playing playing the ball, passing the ball, that kind of thing. But it's bizarre when you think about it that last season, um, the principal reason for City's downfall was kind of widely cited as Laporte's injury. And, uh, you know, we, we really missed Laporte when he was out last season. And now we, we, we've ended up in a position where we've got four great centre-backs and Laporte can't even get a game. It's just it's just crazy how it's turned around, and um, you know Stones has played really well alongside Ruben Diaz. I'm personally a fan of having um, right footed and a left centre uh, left footed centre back in the team. So I would like to see Stones and Laporte playing together again at some point soon. But at the same time, I don't really want to see Diaz drop out of the team because he's playing so well. Nathan Ake's played really well as well when he when he's been called upon. So we've got a, a, a lot of options and fair play for John Stones for making himself you know the, the go to guy at this moment in time. Yeah, I think I think uh, that's one thing we do need to say, isn't it, John? I mean, credit to the guy. He's, he, you know, it'd be very, very easy for him this summer to have gone right. I'm walking away from this situation, but he's he's stuck to it. He's he's nailed down that position, and it's his to lose now. Yeah, I mean, you go back to that uh, game against Leon, which was such an important game, um, and he was sat in the stands and didn't. You know, you thought, well, there's no way back for him here, really. If, I, I think it's. I think it's helped playing a, a, alongside an organiser and a leader in Diaz. It's taken the pressure off him a little bit. You think in last season he was when Laporte was out, he was on, alongside either Otamendi, who you know was he was a bit of a car crash last season. He was back to his bad, bad old days, and you think of that game at Norwich when Stone and Otamendi were all over the place, uh, and then also against alongside Garcia, where he's obviously the more senior centre back. So. Played alongside either Diaz or Laporte is going to take a little bit more pressure off him. Uh, he doesn't have to organise, doesn't have to lead. He can concentrate on his own game and have uh, a, someone who's experienced who can, if he, if you can sort of mop up any any errors and things like that. So, I think that's a big help to him as well. And um, yeah, I think you're quite right. Yeah, for credit to him for for fighting his way back and and not giving up. Time now to look ahead at the game with Southampton. And uh, we're joined for this part of the show uh, by Sam Tai, who writes for the Southampton programme and website. Hi, Sam. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Oh, I'm not too bad, thanks. Um, so just to just to start with, um, I always I, I don't know if this seems a little bit rude looking from uh, an outside Southampton perspective, um, but just given the way that, that I, I haven't seen a lot of Southampton this season, and every now and then I tune into one of the games and think, oh, God, they're playing well. Then I look at the table and think, oh, they're, yeah, they're, they're doing well this season. And I'm surprised by it. And I guess I guess I, sh- I shouldn't be surprised, really. They're, they're, they're a good team, aren't they, at the moment? Yeah, in 2020, uh, they've been fantastic. A 2020 sort of Premier League table would have them around the fifth or sixth mark. Um, I haven't checked it this morning, but uh, a couple of weeks ago when it was Ralph Hasenhutl's two-year anniversary, when they celebrated the hell out of that for obvious reasons, um, a 2020 Premier League table had them in fifth place. So that tells you how good they've been over the course of the calendar year. And that's kind of been sparked by the post-lockdown June-July bit, where they were the third best team in the Premier League behind only City and United in terms of a points tally, because they really, they ripped June and July apart. It was a little bit of a blip early this season. Um, The team didn't look quite ready to play football, I guess I'd probably put it at, because... I don't know, the, the, the crap pre-season that everyone had and the high-pressing game and the high-defensive line that Saints use, 
it was a disaster for the first two or three games. But then they finally got their fitness back and they were able to play that way. And things have been rosy ever since. So, yeah, I think at this point, it's probably only fair to consider Southampton not just a good team, but a very good team. Yeah, they, I mean, just looking at, at how the season has started for them, uh, who's who's been the standout players? I mean, who's been grabbing the headlines, basically? Well, the headline takers, I mean, Danny Ings for his continued brilliance and his goals and then subsequently his injury and the hysteria around how they would cope without him. It turned out actually quite well without Danny Ings, to be honest with you. Um, James Ward-Prowse continues to be an excellent player in the middle. He's added this really nitty gritty side to his game. He used to be such a nice player, um, you know, sort of like the old son-in-law stereotype. And now, (laughs) honestly, now him and Romeo in the middle, oh my God, they're just horrible to play against. Um, They're very niggly and very gnarly. Um, But in terms of this season, the players that have really come to the fore, Shea Adams is is enjoying, I'd say, a breakout season. Um, Four goals, four assists in 13 starts now, having I think he just he took him 32 games to score one last season. So it was just a case of when that first one comes, when that first one comes, Jay, come on, come on, lad. Um, so that's quite nice. And But the, the real, like, under-the-radar story for this year has been that Yannick Vestergaard has just kind of... It's taken him a while, but finally he has clicked and he's become a really, really good centre-half. He's a huge man. I'm sure you've seen the fact that he's, like, six foot six and... It, he does have a poor turning circle and he is susceptible to pace in behind. And these have always been problems, but he's a two footed, good passing range player. And he's been quite dominant as well, defensively in jewels and dealing with, with balls into the channels. I don't know what's happened. Uh, If it's just personal determination, if it's great coaching, if it's a combination of the two, but after that, I mean, he must've joined three years ago and I never saw this coming. I really (laughs) didn't. Dan, when you hear that, you know, a grit in midfield and a defender who can defend well, um, uh, the way City have been playing recently, that mustn't <laughs> fill you with a lot of confidence, really, for this game. Oh, I can't, I can't wait for this game. I can't <laughs> wait, yeah. No, it doesn't at all. I mean, we're not, not uh, we're defending well, aren't we? That's that's about the only the good thing you could say about City at the moment. But that's going to be tested against a team who are really good going forward this weekend. You've got two good strikers in Danny Ings and Shea Adams. You know, they've got Theo Walcott, who scored against Arsenal. They've got Nathan Redmond, who can come in. You know, Guardiola knows all about him doesn't he so that's that's going to be that's going to be an issue, and then the the bigger issue uh, is that we're not scoring goals and not creating good chances either. So um, it's going to be a really really tough game this one, isn't it? Um, you know, uh, after recent results, I, I don't th- I don't think I would take a draw, but it wouldn't be the worst result in the world, I don't think. Yeah, John, when you when you look at, at how Guardiola set up for for West Brom and the fact that he was worried about their counter attack, I mean, Southampton are, are a t- West Brom don't have any goals in them. Southampton are a team that have goals in them. Yeah, I mean, the one question I wanted to ask Sam really was how would Southampton going to approach this game? Because I think the last two games when City have been particularly boring, I suppose is the word I'm I'm trying to use, United have been a little bit reticent to attack. West Brom certainly were. So how how does Southampton approach this game? Are they going to go on the front foot? Are they going to let City attack and and try and catch them on the counter-attack? How do you see it playing out? To be honest, Southampton's approach to games doesn't really change all that often. Um, they're pretty much drilled to play in a certain way and it doesn't seem to be a particularly adaptable blueprint game by game. So what they do is they tend to start really fast and the first 20 or 30 minutes they'll try and blitz you. And that's using you know high energy off the ball and pressing, but it's also quick interchanges and they try to get the ball into the channels and 
try and get their players in positions to try and run at you. And that's where, you know, players like Musa Gineppo, Nathan Redmond, Theo Walcott come into play. Armstrong comes into play off the right when you start to link the play properly. And Che Adams into the channels. Adams is a battering ram of a centre-forward. He's he, he will just run at you. He's so aggressive. He's so difficult to deal with one-on-one. And all of this creates room for Danny Ings to just kind of potter about in between the lines and just pick up little nice spots and, you know, try speculative chances. And they'll try and lull you into giving you free, uh, giving them free kicks so that James Ward-Prowse can take aim. Because I'm sure you've seen that Ward-Prowse's dead ball delivery at this point is among the best weapons in the Premier League, probably, I'd say. Either from a corner delivered towards the near post where he just causes carnage or from 20, 25 yards where it's got that David Beckham style, like knuckleball, he arrows it in. So they'll try and get you early. They'll try and they'll try and take the lead. The thing with Southampton recently has been they have been getting that first goal. That happens quite a lot. It's what happens afterwards. And I find it's that that little transition that a team's trying to make when they become a decent team into like a top six, top seven team where you're able to build on that first goal advantage and score that second goal quite quick. Saints try to do that and they they Recently, they failed to do that, and then they get nervous, so that it becomes a battle against themselves almost to maintain an intensity and maintain a level of bravery in their play when they're only one up because they want to bury you, but they seem to squander the chances a little bit. That's what I've noticed over the last two or three weeks with Saints is they try to progress into you know an established better team than they were. They've got the Arsenal, they've got the firepower. It's about having the metal as well. And to be honest, I guess I'd probably say surprisingly. I've kind of noticed it with City as well. Once you guys take the lead, you get nervous. Yeah, I was I was going to say, Dan, that 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 reminds me a lot of not even City this season, but City last season. I mean, this season they're not even taking the lead that often. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. The, the sort of the sort of lack of goals is is has been an issue for even though they scored loads of goals last season, it feels like it's been an issue for a while, doesn't it? It feels like they've not really been sort of confident enough to re, to sort of assert their dominance on a game very often. Um, after going in front, you always, you know, this problem has has come about where they've been sort of conceding from. The, the opposition's first shot on goal quite often as well. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't really know how Guardiola solves this problem, really. I, I don't know if it's a, a personnel issue. I don't know if it's a lack of sort of leadership in the team driving them forward. I don't know if it's sort of a tactical thing. It's it's really confusing, isn't it? There's, there's just You're just sort of watching City and it's just baffling week on week why, why they're so, they've become so toothless all of a sudden. Yeah, John, John, what happens if Southampton score the first goal in this game? <laughs> then, well... Maybe the shackles come off a little bit for City. I mean, they've, they've not been behind, I think, going back to the Spurs game, uh, which obviously we, we all know how Mourinho plays, but it was a game that City dominated uh, after Spurs had that one chance inside five minutes, scored, City were up against it, absolutely dominate, didn't really create too many brilliant chances. I mean, probably a couple of chances where they could have equalised yeah, I think particularly that De Bruyne one that hit Jesus when he was lying on the floor. That was that was probably a, a, as close as they came, um, and then got caught out on the counter attack. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's going to be interesting how Pep approaches it. Whether he goes with this conservative approach, which has been the norm of the last two or three games in terms of keep it tight and not lose and try and nick it on the, well not. Not nick it on the break, but don't take too many risks. Yeah, and just try and sort of drag out a couple of chances and take one of them. So um, I just can't see this big game from City's point of view 
being a high-scoring one at all. Sam, what happens if City score the first goal? Well, Southampton have tended to start well and fade a little bit later on. And there's numerous examples of that. There aren't that many examples of the opposite, which is basically what you're asking. So I don't actually know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, ultimately with Saints, they don't, they don't, they're not deterred. If they go one down, they're like, right, well, let's just carry on then. Um, So it will spur them into action and they won't get jittery and they won't get nervous. They'll just carry on attacking. The thing with Southampton is that they will, like, you guys are worried if you're going to score a goal. Like, say Southampton will give, they will give you a goal. Like, it will happen at some point in the second half. Even if they play superbly, they play off the pitch for the first 45, they do tend to fade a little bit later on. So I could easily see a goal for each here. And then we'll see what happens. See, see who's got the who's got the metal to score the winner because <laughs> I'm envisioning two top quality teams here, kind of going, "Oh no, we need to get a goal <laughs> at one all." That's that's that sort of thing. Yeah. If, if Saints do concede, then they'll just come at you again, and like they are brave. Like, Ralph Hasenhutl uses all of these words all the time. He uses he uses bravery a lot, and he uses the word automatisms a lot, which I don't even know if it's a word. Um, <laughs> But he's, uh, he's, he's, de- he's definitely come up with it and he's definitely using it. And what he means by that is he means automatic actions. So it's just like, same with Pep. It's like, like very heavily coached pressing actions and on the ball options and third man runs. Those things don't disappear in the middle of a game, even if you're one or two or three goals down. So they'll continue to, to plough away in the way that they always do. It just depends if whether or not they can get the better of, of City's defence, which, you know, I know West Brom scored, but... Up to that point, it'd be what six games without conceding. That you feel yeah. pretty solid. Yeah, is is there confidence among Southampton fans with uh, for this game, given how City have been playing recently and, and not scoring many goals, and also given how Southampton have been playing? Well, yeah, they are. I mean, Southampton fans are pretty confident going into pretty much every game at the moment, and they were expecting a victory on Wednesday against Arsenal. And my two best friends, who are Southampton fans were absolutely gutted at a missed opportunity on Wednesday when the game ended 1-1. Obviously, Arsenal got a red card and Southampton piled on the pressure late, hit the post. It is a missed opportunity, but that that kind of shows you how far they've come. City may be another step. Um, You know, whether or not they're performing to their capabilities this season, it's still Manchester City. It's still a team that you associate quite regularly with scoring 100 points in the Premier League and uh, and scoring 100 goals as well. So I don't think I don't think they're going to be like yeah let's go let's go let's go let's go we're going to win we're going to win but like Southampton fans are pretty are pretty sure that they'll get a point or three out of most games they play at the moment because they are legitimately just a very good side. Yeah. Dan it's um it, it's it's weird contrasting that kind of view to to how city how city fans see city at the moment because I think a, a lot of city fans you know myself included we look at this team and go well this isn't the team that scored 100 points and 100 goals this is a team that is struggling at the moment to to put any sort of run together. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you want to talk about stats, just look at the league table. I mean, that City are mid-table for all intents and purposes. Um, the goal record is poor this season. The defensive record is decent, but that's about the only thing they've got going for them at the moment. So I, I understand why Southampton would have uh, every confidence about playing City and and why they, w- they would see it the same as the Arsenal game as an opportunity to take a, a pretty big scalp. And I'm sort of thinking about the last uh, couple of visits to St. Mary's for City as well. So, you know, they went there just over Christmas in 2018, didn't they? on the back of they just lost the Crystal Palace and left pretty you know low confidence around the club at that time they went there and 
uh, got a three-one win, and it was a bit of a bit of a sort of weird performance. Bit of they weren't great city, but but they had enough to, to beat a poor Southampton team. And then last season we went there. Uh, che Adams scored that goal when Edison was out of his goal, and uh, City City battered them for the rest of the game. Couldn't find a way through. So it's going to be. I feel like it could be kind of a mixture of those two games this one this weekend. But you know, the I, I don't know how I feel about that. You know, yeah, I know. And the, and the difference is that Southampton are, are in really good form and playing really well, and they've got a, you know a really good defense. Uh, against a team that aren't, aren't creating chances and scoring goals. So <laughs> it's a, a heady mix. Yeah, John, It's uh, other teams will see this City side as an opportunity to take points right now, won't they? And that's, that's not something City have been used to for, for the last two, three years or so. Yeah, definitely. I don't think anyone should uh, have any any fear that they're going to get overrun. And I think, well, you know, going back those two fantastic years under Guardiola, the, the, a lot of teams were, well, we'll take, a, we'll take even a 3-0 defeat sometimes. Uh, they were that fearsome, that intimidating. Whereas, yeah, there's, you, 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 you might. I mean, it's still obviously a very, very good team. I'm still going to the game as favourites. Um, but there's no West Brom. Were, had something to defend on Tuesday, and Southampton have something going into that game. We'll, we'll have that belief. We'll have that courage that they can get something and. Um, uh, and yeah, like you say, City aren't, aren't the, the scary proposition they once were. The, look, the, re- the reason that, that the other teams, opponent, opposing fan bases, will go into the game with City and not be th- and not be looking at the team the same way that you guys are for obvious reasons is that everybody knows what you're capable of, and everybody, because of the way football works and the way superstitions work, everybody will wholeheartedly believe that City's big performance is coming. <laughs> and it's coming against my team because that's how it works, isn't it? That's like, oh, of course it was against us. Oh, oh, he hasn't scored for twenty-five games, and he nets a thirty-five yarder against. That's, that's how football fans' minds work. So everybody's still just a little bit scared of City because they know what you can be. You know that you could lose five 0 against City any day of the week if they if they if they figure it out. And surely at some point you're going to turn it on. Surely at some point the clouds start to part. And they just convinced it's going to be against their team. So that's 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 the little niggling doubt in the back of every fan's mind, even though what you guys are seeing on the pitch doesn't really tally up with that. Yeah, well, uh, we're, we're going to come to the charity bet a bit later on in the show, Sam. Uh, I'm, I'm crap at this, so I'm going to give my prediction over to you. What are you having? Um, I'm going to take 1-1. And yeah, just a nervous 60 minutes after that of two teams trying really hard not to concede slash score. Uh, 1-1 is 15-2 to two if you're right. So you'll, uh, you'll net 75 quid for the charity if you're right on that one. Uh, Sam, thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, thanks very much, guys. So one other game to look at as well this week. Uh, it's the Carabao Cup quarterfinal against Arsenal. Um, Dan, this one is, uh, it's kind of, because the earlier rounds were so long ago, it's kind of snuck up on us. Yeah, well, it's the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it? It's uh, <laughs> Carabao Cup time. Um, yeah, it's, it's great because it's been it was ages ago since we did. So we beat Burnley. Have we played anywhere else since then? I can't even um, remember now. It was Bournemouth Burnley, Burnley wasn't it? Was when Bournemouth- the last yeah. First or second? Yeah, Bournemouth, Bournemouth was first and then Burnley yeah. was second. Right, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. that's been ages ago, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's looking like our most realistic chance of silverware at the moment this season, isn't it? So, <laughs> so you kind of think we'll, uh, we'll we'll have to be going all out for this one. Um, yeah, I would like to win it again because the, the record is on, isn't it? But uh, And and you, you would fancy us against Arsenal the way they're playing, but we'll, we'll see how it goes, I guess. Well, I was going to say, John, Arsenal, good opposition given their form or bad opposition given City's form? Oh no, it has to be good opposition. Um, I mean, I, I mean, talking about things sneaking up. I, I just—it was only like about a week ago that I looked at the table. And was, 
what's what is going on at Arsenal? I didn't, you know, I hadn't been a bit, bit oblivious to how bad their form had been. I mean, when when Arteta uh, took over there, you know, I was speaking to well, our Arsenal correspondent and a couple of fans and things like that. I was like, he's he's going to be a fantastic manager. He's going to sort you out. He's going to get be playing good football, um, and I was proved right once again. <laughs> <laughs> but but then it's just gone. It's just it's just a mess. Uh, they seem all over the place. I watched a couple of games. That, that it reminds me a lot of sort of Pep's first season in that if you don't believe in what he's telling you to do uh, and have have confidence in the ball, in your own ability, in your teammates' movement and stuff like that, that it doesn't work. Uh, on top of that, they haven't got the players that Pep had in that first season. Um, so you put those two things together, and it's a bit of a recipe for disaster. They, so I, I don't think I don't think it's something you can turn around quickly because, yeah, you just have to have that belief that everything you're doing is 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 going to have a a common goal of of being attacking dominant football. Uh, and at the moment, they're just caught in between trying to do that and and not doing it very well. And it's yeah, I watched a bit of the Southampton game and they just looked really poor. And on top of that, they're chucking around red cards and it seems a bit of a mess. Yeah. Um, Dan, I don't know if this is what Sam was talking about there, about uh, the, the typical football fan mentality. But I, I, again, I'm sitting here worrying that, that like, of course, Arsenal are going to turn up against City. Of course they are. <laughs> they haven't turned up against anyone this season. Of course it'll be against City. Well, I'm, I'm less convinced about that, to be honest. Um, I wouldn't say I'm sort of overly confident for this game, but I watched the Southampton, the Arsenal-Southampton game as well, and they were they were really poor there. Um, a bit better than they have been in recent weeks, but not much better. Um, yeah, they, they don't really look very... I, I, I don't really like sort of psychoanalyzing footballers by body language and things like that, but they don't look confident. They don't They don't really look up for it. They don't. They look like they've sort of given up already a little bit. Um, whether they will sort of raise the game with it being a quarterfinal and, and playing City, I don't know. From City's point of view, I think it's... I'm going to sort of decide how I feel about the Arsenal game based on how we play against Southampton because if we put in a really good performance against Southampton and, and win that game, then... You know, you, you're sort of looking at this game and thinking, "Well, come on, let's let's build on this now. Let's get a bit of momentum going." If they play badly against Southampton, then who knows what could happen against Arsenal? Really? Yeah. Um, how many changes do you think Guardiola should make, John? Because he's he, he made a few changes for the for the Carabao Cup this season, given how how cramped the campaign is. Um, but we're at the quarterfinal stage. This is Arsenal now away in the in the cup. It's it, it's City's cup that he, that he wants to win. He, you know, there, there's the chance that City could be the only ever winners of the Carabao Cup. So let's let, let's keep this run going. <laughs> is that right? Is it changing sponsor next year? Or? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's oh. ne- next year or the year after. But it's uh, nice it, it, it must be soon. And you know, let's let's keep it going as long as we can. <laughs> it's a nice ring to the Carabao. I like it. I've never drunk it, but. It- I like the sound of it. Um, I, I would look to the uh, the game against uh, Marseille, and uh, and I think it would be a similar team to that. Um, I mean, as City are being are quite fortunate with injuries at the moment. Apart from obviously, obviously Aguero's coming back, uh, Garcia's out for a couple of weeks, and Zinchenko has been out. But other than that, it's pretty much a full squad. So. I, I, yeah, I think it'll be. I think it's, it's going to be uh, over the next couple of weeks, over Christmas and New Year. I think it's going to be almost six, seven changes uh, on a week-to-week basis. So I think it will be a pretty strong team. Obviously, I would expect Stefan to come in back in goal. 
But other than that, I would really be looking at a, a, a first team eleven, you know, like Bernardo uh, coming in and Foden, and maybe a couple of young lads on the bench, uh, you know, possibly Cole Palmer and Tommy Doyle. Yeah. Right, well, we've raised £230 for the Christie so far this season in our charity bet with William Hill. Each of us is getting a £10 correct score single on City's games and the winnings are going to the Cancer Treatment Hospital in Manchester. Uh, we heard from Sam earlier on, uh, a one-all draw against Southampton, which is 15-2 to two and £75. Uh, John, what are you having for uh, the Southampton game? Yeah, I just th- I think that it's been a, a lot of games played for both sides and obviously City struggling in front of goal. So I've gone for a nil-nil. Uh, a nil-nil is 16 to 1 and 160 pounds if you're right, Dan. Uh, are you going uh, a bit more adventurous? I think we're, we're going to find our scoring touch, but uh, not win the game. So 2-2, two, two, I reckon. 2-2 uh, is 14 to 1 and 140 pounds if you're right. Uh, moving on to Arsenal. Uh, John, what are you having for that? Uh, I'm going for it. 1-0 to City. 1-0 uh, tight City win is 10 to 1 and 100 pounds. Dan? Going for it 1-0, no. Going for it 3-1 is what I'm doing. <laughs> and there we go. Well, it doesn't matter if you or John win because that's also 10-1 and uh, £100. I've gone for 2-1, meet you in the middle, and uh, that's 7-1 to and £70. Uh, you've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change, and please gamble responsibly. You can find more information about responsible gambling by going to begambleaware.org. Time to finish the show with Ask the Panel. Get your questions in for next week on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. You can email us as well through the website, bluemoonpodcast.com. Uh, Gaz Warrington is first up on Twitter. He asks, would you have Arteta back if he was sacked by Arsenal? I usually don't agree with people returning to clubs, but I think Pep needs Arteta, someone to question him, and Arteta needs Pep. Arteta is maybe suited more to coaching. The new assistant, from what I can see, offers nothing. Um, John, would you have him back if he's sacked by Arsenal? I... I don't think it would really come up. I think Arteta was always wanted to be a coach, uh, sorry, you know, a manager. Um, so I don't think he would take a step back. I think we saw with Dominic Torrent once he'd once he'd left that will, you know, you you've done everything you can with City. So uh, you know, Arteta wants to be a number one. So I, I don't think it's a, a question that would ever come up. Not even Dan, if uh, if it was a, a loss to City in the League Cup, that did it for him. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I mean, I, I would have him back, to be honest. I mean, I don't know if I necessarily agree with Gaz about um, Juan Malilo not offering anything, because we don't really know that, do we? He might be right, he might be wrong, I don't know. Um, you know, you look at definitely our, our best spell of, of, of Pep's uh, tenure at City was was with Arteta alongside him. So he must have been doing something right there and maybe it was a, a good sounding board for him. But yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to have him back as, as, as Pep's assistant again. But I don't know if I would be sort of too uh, comfortable with the idea of him being Pep's long-term successor as our manager after the way things are going at Arsenal. But, you know, I think it's early days for him there. I think he's he's taken a really hard job at Arsenal and... Um, there's still time that he'll turn it around, I think. Yeah. Uh, David Gaskell on Twitter asks, is everyone still behind Pep? Looking at social media, he's coming in for a lot of criticism. And I, I wasn't going to include this question at first, Dan, but then the more I got thinking about it, the more it kind of raises an interesting point for me in that Guardiola's job is safe. Like, it, there's no question about it, that wherever he finishes this season, he's, City aren't going to sack him. So does that does that make his job actually harder? Possibly, yeah. I mean, in terms of in terms of motivating the players, perhaps they kind of know that. On the one hand, that they know that they've got a, a sort of safe bet, and that the manager's not going to go anywhere, and they know where they stand with it. On the other hand, perhaps there's not that kind of fear that you need to to keep you on the edge and, and keep you keep you moving forward. I mean, I 
I've, I'm a huge Guardiola fan. I make no bones about that. And even I'm starting to get a bit fed up with things, really. I mean, you, you said at the top of the show there, you're not angry, you're just disappointed. I'm not angry. I'm just bored. I'm just finding <laughs> it so tedious to watch at the moment and a bit of a chore. And I was delighted when Guardiola signed his new contract the other week. But I'm starting to think now maybe they do need a bit of a refresh. Maybe it's time to to start again with someone else and accept that they're not going to hit hit amazing heights straight away, but they're building towards something. I don't really feel like City are building towards anything at the moment. Maybe they're they're on a transitional period and and towards the end of the season they'll they'll get back together again and, and next season they can kick on and with some new signings and 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 you know win trophies again. But at the moment you don't really see where the next kind of trophy is coming from, do you? You don't really see them offering very much. So. Yeah, it's. I, I can understand why people are get losing a bit of faith in Guardiola because it's just last season just is never ending, is it? It's just yeah. we're just this this malaise just won't end. Yeah, John, it, it, there is also uh, the wider context to look at. I, I wonder if if part of the reason why social media criticizes Pep quite a lot is first off, it, it's very reactionary after games, uh, and I reckon that the further away you get from a game, the more it kind of calms down. But second off, the state of the world at the moment, you know, everybody's everybody's tense, everybody's fraught because it's it's just not an easy time to be living in right now. Yeah, well, social social media is not a very nice place, is it? It's you know, there's so many so many angry people, uh, irrational. Um, you know, it's not you you you're not going to get a a justified argument of why you think Pep's doing okay or what you know. It just doesn't work like that. You either you either shit or you're great. There's no there's no in between, is there? Yeah, so especially not in 280 characters, is there? Well, exactly, and and yeah, it's it's just it's just not been very entertaining at the moment. So therefore, people are, are going to say it's not very good. Yeah. That's how, that, that, that. I don't think uh, I don't think social media is a good barometer for anything in life. Um, you know, I, it's not something I particularly enjoy. Yeah, do you think in terms of uh, of being behind Pep? Do you do you feel like that most people are still quite behind him? Yeah, I think he's he's lost a little bit of his luster in terms of when he arrived. He was undoubtedly the best manager in the world, and yeah, he's he's, he's he was always going to be judged against what he achieved at, at Barcelona and Bayern Munich, and that that is extraordinary high levels. You know, but that Barcelona team is the greatest team. Of my lifetime, and they won everything, and were and were incredible. Um, and then, you know, you just have to remember that those two seasons at City were, when they won the won the league, were phenomenal. Um, and again, the best City teams uh, we've ever seen. Um, but they haven't been dominant. They've not won the Champions League. And then this season, it's it's all a little bit not what it was. It's, it's a little bit mediocre compared to that. Um, but like I said earlier, you know they're not out of the title race at all, um, and you know it was interesting listening to Sam talking talking about it from a from a, a a non from someone outside the away from the club, or you know away from watching City, and and people are still fearful that City will get it right and go on those runs. I mean, he's, they're still one of the, if not the favourite for the Champions League, uh, which. I think any City fan who's watched them recently would think would is very odd, but they you know, they are capable of getting it together. Yeah, Dan, it's um, I, I guess it, it would we'd all be feeling a bit differently about this season if we were going to games, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I mean, 
that uh, that derby game at the weekend is kind of the weirdest that I felt about there being no fans there. It just did not feel right for a Manchester derby to take place in those circumstances, and the the game suffered for it undoubtedly. I didn't really, I don't really sort of care that much about results and things at the moment. I just as soon as the game's over, I just kind of switch off from it, and that's it. I move on, and um, and and I've watched a, a couple of games recently: Liverpool at Fulham at the weekend, and Liverpool against Spurs in midweek, um, and just just a few. Uh, couple of thousand fans there makes a world of difference and just makes everything feel a bit more meaningful and I think you have to remember all of that stuff when you when you're sort of analyzing City at the moment and you also have to remember about Pep you know a lot of people are saying that he looks disinterested and stuff like that and you know it's been a really tough year for him he lost his mum to, to coronavirus and you know it's I, I, I reckon he's definitely not happy with with kind of the football City have been playing and, I, and I'm you know everything I know about Pep I know that he'll be working really hard to try and put it right it's just not really working out for him and uh and hopefully 2021 will be a better year for everyone and a better year for City and Pep Guardiola. Yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a perfect note to end on. So that's where we're going to call it for this week's show. Uh, that's it for today's show. Uh, we hope it's been marginally, at least, a little bit more interesting than anything that's happened in the last 180 minutes of football that City have produced. If it has, and you've enjoyed the show, then please give it a rating and a review in all the usual places. If you want to hear a bit more, then we've got our usual bonus show for Patreon backers of two dollars per month. That's about one pound fifty. Uh, this week's is looking at the common players between City and Southampton. Just head over to patreoncom forward slash podcast for more information. Thanks. So my guests this week Jonathan Smith thank you and Dan Burke thank you very much Uh, we'll have our next show a little earlier next week just because of Christmas Day falling on the Friday so keep an eye on your feeds and we'll see you then that was the Blue Moon Podcast please support the show patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast